Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome back to the Screen the Screener Podcast where we talk all things NCAA basketball with you. Mike Randall here with you today and folks, we are so excited. Gus and I are so excited. We are beginning our college basketball team preview series today. Gus and I told you we had a lot of things in the work. We've been working hard, compiling a database, and contacting as many Division I NCAA college basketball programs as we could find, contacting their beat writers, trying to get behind the scenes, and to give you a little bit of a different preview of all the great college basketball teams that are out there, small schools, big schools, Power Five conferences, mid-majors, the whole thing. We've been working hard at it. We're taping interviews every day. Gus is grabbing some. I'm grabbing some. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to post these as we get them. We're going to have as many interviews as we can get, and we're going to put them out there. And then Gus and I will come on about once a week and sort of recap what you heard and get us ready for the college basketball season, which is right around the corner. Games are starting so, so soon. But tonight, we're going to kick it off. First person we have for you is Tom Noy. Tom Noy writes for the South Bend Tribune and NDInsider.com. He was nice enough to give us a few minutes here to preview the Notre Dame Fighting Irish basketball team. Notre Dame has a, has had a real strong 18 years under Mike Bray's leadership. They've had a lot of great moments. They've been in two Elite Eights in the last three years. So what a perfect way to start our team preview series here at Screen the Screer with Tom Noy. You can find him on Twitter at Tom Noy, T-N-O-I-E-N-D-I for Tom Noy, Notre Dame Insider. He's going to give us a few minutes here to talk about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish basketball program. Folks, we are thrilled to have Tom Noy today join us from the South Bend Tribune and NDInsider.com on our team preview series here at the Screen the Screener podcast to talk about the fight in Irish. You can find him on Twitter at T-Noy, T-N-O-I-E-N-D-I, Tom Noy, ND Insider. He joins us for a few minutes today on the podcast to talk about Notre Dame men's basketball. Tom, thanks so much for taking a few minutes and joining us today. You got it. Always good to talk college buckets this time of year. Well, I guess we got to get the logical question out of the way here uh, by talking about the unfortunate FBI investigation in college basketball that uncovered the recruiting of, of players to specific schools through benefits and money paid by those shoe companies. You wrote an article for ND Insider that outlines why that general feeling in the investigation should have little or no effect on head coach Mike Bray and the Fighting Irish program. Talk to us why Notre Dame fans should be confident that the tentacles of this investigation won't touch the Irish's basketball program. Well, you just look at their roster. Their roster does not have a lot of five-star guys. I don't think they even have one five-star guy on there. Guys that are, you know, top 20, top 10, one-and-dones around the world of college basketball. Notre Dame does not spend a lot of time recruiting the best of the best because when you talk about guys who are five-star prospects, guys that are top 10 prospects, guys that may spend only a year in college, They've got a certain wish list. That wish list includes Duke and North Carolina and Kansas and Kentucky and, in some cases, Louisville. Notre Dame would rather go after the guys who are maybe a little further down the list, three-star, four-star guys, and want to spend four, sometimes five years in college and get better. They're not the top recruits. Mike Bray has, has long established this as his recruiting philosophy is, let's not waste time with the five-star guys. Let's go after the guys that are maybe maybe off the radar a little bit, that want to get better, that want to get coached. And, oh, by the way, maybe most importantly for this program, they want to go to class. So there, there aren't a lot of guys that are five-star guys that have their hands out that are thinking, I'm going to go to Notre Dame and only be there for nine months before I make a jump to the NBA. 
Mike Bray has been at Notre Dame now for 18 years. He's only had two players in those 18 years leave early for the NBA, one being Troy Murphy, the other a couple of years ago, and Demetrius Jackson. So they recruit a different type of kid here at Notre Dame, and that's one thing that Mike Bray likes about his job. He's not only a coach, but he's a teacher, he's an educator, and he's able to do that here with this Irish basketball program. That, that's that's exactly right. And let's turn our, t- our attention now to Mike Bray. He's been conference coach of the year three times during his tenure at ND, 2007, 2008, 2011. That was all while Notre Dame was in the Big East. 2011, he was also national coach of the year. Like you said, this is his 18th year as head coach of the Fighting Irish, and he's just 12 wins away from becoming the all-time winningest coach in Notre Dame history, passing the great Digger Phelps. You got a chance to talk to Mike Bray about this. What does this mean to him? And put into perspective what this means for those who may not know just how great a job he's done at Notre Dame. Well, he's a guy that always downplays what he's been able to accomplish. It's more about the team. It's more about the fact that he's got a good, good coaching staff. He's got good players, but it, at the end of the day, you look at it, and it's it's absolutely staggering to me, who, who's covered this program now for the last 20 years, that Mike Bray will become the winningest coach in program history because you have to remember, he walked in the door in July 2000. He was the third coach in as many years following John McLeod and Matt Doherty. He took over a program that hadn't been to the NCAA tournament in 11 years. They spent the, the better part of the 1990s wandering around the, the, the back rows of college basketball trying to figure out who they were going to be. They thought they could stay independent. They didn't realize you had to get into a league. The, the, the game was changing a little bit. And a whole decade passed this program by to the point where they, for a lot of people forgot about Notre Dame basketball. But, but Mike Bray goes to the NCAA tournament his first three years at Notre Dame, including a Sweet 16 for the first time in 16 years, and, and just methodically started to build it and get better, even though the Big East was always changing. They were two divisions when he got here. They went to one division. They, they expanded. Then they broke apart. Then it was going to be, what's going to happen to Notre Dame? Where are they going to be able to get their basketball program? There was a lot of talk about maybe joining the Big 12. Maybe it was time to give up football independence and get to the, go to the Big 10. But for Jack Swarbrick, the athletic director, to do what he was able to do and get this program into the Atlantic Coast Conference was nothing short of amazing. And, and all through that, the Big East, are they doing this? Are they doing that? Let's go to the ACC now. Mike Bray just continues to win. Uh, I know that he had, a, he had a tough go his first year in the ACC when he lost his best player, Jaron Grant, to academics. But since then, they've averaged over 12 league wins a year. And they've really been one of the model programs in arguably the, the toughest basketball conference in the country. I remember that game against Kentucky in 2015 <laughs> in the NCAA tournament. I thought Notre Dame was going to win that game. Mike Bray has been very underrated, Tom, for a long time. That was an incredible game. I am convinced if that shot was not blocked at the end or Grant double pumps, you know, obviously it's, it's you know, thinking back on it, but I think mm-hmm. Notre Dame could have won that game. They gave Kentucky, an undefeated Kentucky team, all they could handle in that game. Well, not only do they win that game, I still stand by the fact that if they beat Kentucky in that East Regional Final, at Quick and Loans Arena, they possibly win the national championship. Absolutely. Now, it's, yep. it, it, it's easy to say here. It's easy to say a couple of years down the road, but it was also easy to see with that team. With that team, they, they won the ACC tournament championship in beating, oh, by the way, Duke and North Carolina on back-to-back nights in Greensboro wow. to win their first-ever league championship. And they were just a team that, that was on a mission. I mean, I, I still remember that afternoon leading up to the game in Cleveland where – 
you just had this feeling that they were going to go and shock the world, and nobody was giving them a chance, not only against Kentucky, but earlier in the week against Wichita State in the, in the semifinal. They were thinking the Shockers were going to roll over Notre Dame, and you just had this feeling that this team was different, and they were driven by a couple of seniors and Jaron Grant and Pat Connaughton that they weren't going to lose. And had they beaten Kentucky, I think they very well may have run that table that season. Absolutely true. Now we'll turn to the players, and it all begins and ends with power forward Bonzi Colson. The senior's been tremendous. He was AP and Sporting News third-team All-American last year. He was first-team All-ACC. He's one of the favorites for ACC Player of the Year, and he is absolutely in contention to be the fourth National Player of the Year in the Fighting Irish program. There's some great names in there. Austin Carr, the original big dog, uh, Adrian Dantley, Hall of Famer, and Colson could join that group. He was 17.8 points, 10.1 rebounds. Last year per game, he was 53% from the field and 43% from three-point range while making almost 80% of his, his free throws. Somehow, Tom, we feel out here on the East Coast that he's still underrated. How is that possible? How good is Bonzi Colson? He's really good. And the fact, why is he so good? Why is he underrated? He just plays. I mean, he's a basketball player. He's 6'5". He really doesn't have a position. Everybody talks to Mike Bray about, well, is, does he do that? Where is he? Is he a power forward? Is he a small forward? Who does he guard? Where does he play? Mike Bray doesn't worry about any of that. He just rolls Bonzi Colson out and says, go get buckets. Go get buckets. Go get points. Just play. And, and Bonzi Colson doesn't care who he's playing with. He's playing, playing against. He's playing against guys that, that are taller than him, that are longer than him, that are more athletic than him in the Atlantic Coast Conference. And you look up, and he's got 26 points and 12 rebounds. And, and had Bonzi Colson not suffered that sprained ankle last March back at Barkley Center when Notre Dame, I think, was up eight late in the second half against Duke, Notre Dame very well could have won their second ACC tournament championship in three years. Bonzi Colson goes down. They, they, they kind of lose a little bit of their mojo and some of their juice. They also carried over into the NCAA tournament against Providence and West Virginia. So it's, it's so encouraging to see, and it's so nice to see how far Bonzi Colson has come because when he walked in the door four years ago, he was out of shape. He was, he was the first, he'll be the first to admit he was overweight. He was still adjusting to, to wearing contact lenses for the first time. Everybody looked at Bonzi Colson and said, this guy's never going to play here. I mean, he, he racked up a couple of DNP CDs in his first year at Notre Dame when they went back to his home area in New England for uh, an early season tournament. And everyone was like, yeah, Bonzi Colson, he might be good when he was a ju- when he's a junior or senior, but, yeah, he stepped into the starting line. He stepped into the rotation that that his first year as a freshman. I always remember that game in Atlanta against Georgia Tech. He didn't start the first half. Mike Bray put him in the lineup to start the second half. It's popped in the nose by an errant elbow from a Georgia Tech player. It's a bloody nose. Just goes to the bench, stuffs a little cotton up the nostril, and I think he went for like 12 points and 10 rebounds. And ever since then, the light bulb went on not only for Bonzi Colson but Mike Bray. He said. This guy's staying in the lineup, and he's not coming out of the lineup, and he really hasn't now for the last couple of seasons. He's been tremendous, and his fellow leader, a senior in the backcourt, is point guard Matt Farrell. He was a guy, Tom, that we had heard a little bit about, that he wasn't happy with his role, that maybe he almost transferred. Then he sort of burst on the scene last year, averaging 14 points, 5.4 assists. He was 42% from deep on 193 attempts, 88% from the foul line, never misses, and Tom, the play that sticks in my mind last year, I was watching it live, was that Virginia Tech game in January. ND was up four, under a minute left. 
Uh, Virginia Tech rolls the ball to half court. Farrell sort of tries to pretend like he's setting up the defense and then full effort dives out, full header, steals the ball from Justin Robinson of Virginia Tech, gets up, drive to the basket, makes a great dish to TJ Gibbs to seal a, a fantastic road win for the Irish. Talk about Matt Farrell and what he means to the Notre Dame program. Well, we, I mentioned earlier in the conversation to Beantrius Jackson leaving a year early. I had Demetrius Jackson stayed for his senior year. Matt Farrell, in all likelihood, would not be at the University of Notre Dame right now. He had one foot out the door, maybe a foot and a half out the door, before the, the NCAA tournament, I believe, in 2016. He had been uh, the 15-16 season. He had been kind of a main guy during that, that his sophomore year. He helped Notre Dame win an ACC Big Ten Challenge game at Illinois in Champaign with a big-time effort that early December. And it kind of fell out of favor in the rotation. Mike Bray went away from him. He, he, he lost his minutes. He lost his confidence. And he, it, Matt Farrell really struggled with the fact that he didn't really have a role on this team. And I remember talking with Matt Farrell in like mid-January. And he, was, he said, you know, I, I got strength positive. I, I got to keep working. But you could just see it on his face. He, he kind of figured, you know what, I, I think I'm done here. If Demetrius comes back, I'm never going to play here, and I want the ball in my hands. I want to run this team. As it turned out during that 2016 run back to the they're back to the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament, they put Matt Farrell into the starting lineup for the first time in his career in the NCAA tournament. And Mike Bray got a lot of blowback and a lot of flack from the guys on his coaching staff saying, "Wait, we're going to the NCAA tournament, and you're going to start Matt Farrell for the first time in his career. What are you thinking? Were you out all night? Are you okay? Mike Bray said, "Look, we're starting Matt. We're starting Matt Farrell, and that's it." And he basically walked out of the conference room. He goes, "I don't want to hear any more about this. We're starting Matt Farrell, and that's the end of this." And he walked out of the room, and his coaching staff kind of looked at one another, like, "What in the world are we going to do?" Well, they wind up going to the Elite Eight, and one of the reasons was Matt Farrell. So. He's just a guy that just keeps coming at you. Demetrius Jackson was a McDonald's All-American. He's in the NBA right now. But there were times during Demetrius's career here in South Bend where he'd be good for one game and then maybe maybe kind of drift back into the, the shadows for two or three games, and then he'd be good for two more. But with Matt Farrell and the ball in his hands, man, he just keeps coming and coming and coming. He just has that look about him. He's got that jersey toughness, that jersey look that says, you know what, you might think you're better than me, but let's step on the court and prove it. And I, yeah, I just love watching Matt Farrell play. Yeah, a pair of guards that should join him, that should that are going to be starters this year, we think. Junior Rex Fluger, 40% from deep. And another New Jersey guy. I mentioned Jersey guys. We love those here at Screen the Screener. Yep. Uh, uh, sophomore guard TJ Gibbs, super quick and attacks the basket. Talk about those guys and, and how their roles are going to increase as as they, they join the starting lineup this year. Well, Rex Fluger's got a little bit of flair to him, a little bit of swagger. Everybody says, oh, look, he's from Southern California. He's chill. He's laid back. But he made a steal against Virginia the first time that they had ever beaten Virginia as a member of the Atlantic Coast Conference in the conference tournament last year. Makes a steal at midcourt at Barkley Center. Goes in, and it's like a six-point game, maybe a seven-point game, late in the second half. And Rex Fluger delivers a reverse dunk. And everybody looked at it and said, no, like, you got you got to have some stones to do that. In that situation, you, you, you throw a reverse dunk down and maybe the ball doesn't go down. That changes the whole momentum of the game, but that's the way Rex is. And I'm talking to Rex afterward in the locker room. He said, you know, as I'm going down the floor, I'm thinking, what should I do? And maybe I'll do this uh, reverse dunk. And he kind of <laughs> thought for a moment. He, he thought for a moment. He goes, I'll throw the reverse in, but I want to do it. I want to do a 360. 
and he's got like a 46 inch vertical leap. His vertical is phenomenal. He goes, I used to do that kind of stuff in high school all the time. So maybe that's more of what we're going to see from Rex Fluger this year. He was more of a defensive guy his first two years. Like we've got Steve Astoria, we've got VJ Beecham, Demetrius Jackson. I don't need to score with this team. So I'm just going to lock in and, and defend and really smother my guy. But all those guys are gone right now. So Rex kind of think he kind of knows I've got to expand my offensive game. We'll see more of that this year. And then TJ Gibbs, he was really disappointed with the way his freshman year ended because he, he, he felt like to survive in the ACC, I got to bulk up. I got to get bigger. I got to eat. I got to get in the weight room. And by the end of his freshman year, it, it, it reached a point with TJ where he struggled so much to get to the basket and finish because he was too heavy. He felt, I got to get in better shape. He lost 17 pounds in the offseason. When you saw T.J. Gibbs the first practice in the summertime when the, when they were all here for summer school, you looked at T.J. Gibbs and said, who is that guy? Because uh, you looked at him and said, where's the rest of them? He lost 17 pounds. He's in great shape. He's more vocal. He knows he's got a main, main role on this team. And Notre Dame loses two really good guards in V.J. Beecham and Steve Astoria. But when you can plug guys like T.J. Gibbs and Rex Fluger into those spots, there may be a there, there's going to be a drop off, but I don't think there's going to be that drastic of a drop off as some people might think with those two. Sure, and with Bonzi Colson being able to go inside outside, they're going to have to to really get minutes in their front court from fifth year senior Austin Torres. He has a stress fracture. They're hoping to have him back by December, I think. And then of course six ten forward. Uh, Martinez Gebbin from Lithuania, who is part of that recruiting class with Farrell and Colson. So talk about those guys up front. I know Mike Bray likes the, the four-out, one-in offense. How are they going to do, and is that going to allow Colson to go outside a little bit? It will, and Bonzi will shoot more threes this year, but Bonzi will still be his usual effective self around the bucket because hopefully they'll have a guy like Martin Gebbin in, in being able to, to close his senior year with his best season. He's picked up a heck of a lot of conference and confidence in the offseason. He played with the Lithuania Junior National Team uh, at the World University Games in August. They won a gold medal. They beat Purdue, which represented the United States, for the gold medal. And, and that was a huge step for Martin Gebbin. I think he was second on the team in scoring. He led him in, in rebounding, was third in minutes. And it was something where he wanted to represent his country, but it, it, it also got to the point where, you know what, I want to play well, too. So, that gives him a lot of confidence heading into his senior year. He does not want to walk away from this program with any regrets, and he's had a few in the last couple of seasons as far as not being able to play as consistently as he's wanted, as, as maybe he'd like. This is a big year for him because somebody's got to take some of the pressure off Bonzi Colson. You can't expect Bonds to still continue to get 9, 10, 11, 12 rebounds a game. Somebody's got to help him out on the backboard. Maybe it's Martin Gebbin. Austin Torres is still just going to be that niche guy for this program where he's never going to play a lot of minutes. He's not going to score a lot of points. He's going to be a guy that's going to be around maybe three, four minutes at a time to give them energy, to give them maybe maybe a little juice on the offensive or defensive ends. But behind Martin Gavin and Austin Torres, you're looking at John Mooney and Elijah Burns, two big guys that really didn't play at all last year that may have bigger roles as this thing moves forward this season. Notre Dame has a huge incoming freshman, Tom, top player at a legendary DeMatha High School in Maryland, DJ Harvey, 6'6", guard forward. His list was narrowed down to Texas, Alabama, Connecticut, and he chose Notre Dame. What does the coaching staff think of Harvey, and is he going to have an impact right away this season? 
I, I think he'll be an impact guy uh, sooner than later, maybe not right away, only because D.J. Harvey was, was, is the only recruit in the class, and he was a big-time get for Notre Dame. Went to the same high school, DeMatha Catholic, as Mike Bray, the head coach, and Rod Bolanis, the associate head coach. So they know the DeMatha program well. They know that they, you get a DeMatha guy, that he's more he's game-ready, maybe quicker than some of the other college recruits in the country. D.J. Harvey steps into a program that's a veteran program, like we talked about. They've got Bonzi Colson and Farrell and Gibbs and Fluger and Gevin. So you don't have to really rely on, on D.J. Harvey immediately, but there's a lot to work with there. I, I think his head, to an extent, is still spinning. It was spinning in the summer when he walked in the door for summer school. Just the adjustment to the college game, it's probably spinning this week with the first full week of practice. But once he adjusts to the speed of the college game, he can score from all three levels. He's strong enough. He's physical enough to handle the rigors that he's going to have to go through in the ACC. And D.J. Harvey's going to be a really good player for this program for a long time. You did a nice write-up on the schedule this season. Only Duke and Notre Dame have three Saturday-Monday combinations, including Notre Dame has at Duke in late January, at North Carolina, and then hosting Miami on February 19th for those Monday games. They have quite the schedule this year, and it also kicks off with a tremendous early season matchup where they're going to visit Michigan State for the ACC Big Ten Challenge. That's the last game there, the finale on November 30th. So talk about the schedule the Irish have. They've been tremendously successful, but a tough schedule this year. Schedule also includes a trip to Maui where they may have to go up against Wichita State in the finals of the Maui Gym, Maui Classic, if everything holds true. And they have two true road games in non-conference play. They open up at DePaul. I know DePaul's been absolutely awful the last couple of years. But nobody knows, you know, it's the first game of the year in DePaul's new building. They're going to treat that as an NCAA tournament game. So that's a tough test for Notre Dame. And then also Mike Bray going back to the University of Delaware for the first time since taking the Notre Dame job from Delaware 18 years ago. His former co- or his former point guard and one of his former assistants at Notre Dame is Martin Inglesby, who's now the head coach at Delaware. So a very challenging schedule, but a schedule that Mike Bray knew his team needed to kind of prepare themselves for March. A couple years ago, after Notre Dame was coming off 15-17 and 17 overall in 2013-14, the Irish had no business playing a schedule like this. They, they kind of watered it down a little bit with a lot of easy non-conference games to help this team get confident. This is a, this is a core group that's won an ACC tournament championship, that's gone to two Elite Eights, that's won an average of at least 12 games in league play the last three years. I think this is, this is a team that, that can handle – what the, what's coming at them as far as the Saturday-Monday swings, the three big Monday games on ESPN, having to go to Duke, having to go to North Carolina. They make four trips to Tobacco Road this year. They see all the, the, the Carolina schools. So it's going to be a challenging schedule. And Mike Brady's the first one to say, look, we're going to take some hits, and we might take some big hits. But I think by the end of the year, come March, we're going to be tournament-tested. We're going to be ready to roll through the ACC tournament like we've done the last couple of years maybe get to Saturday night again and play for a tournament championship. But most importantly, this non-league schedule, as t- I think as, as tough as it's ever been here for Mike Bray in 18 years, is going to help to get this team back to the second weekend and maybe beyond in the NCAA tournament. Tom, we can't, we can't thank you enough for this. We got one more and then we'll get you out of here. You wrote how North Carolina and Virginia have won more, only teams that have won more ACC games over the last three years than Notre Dame. They have 37, Carolina 39, and Virginia 40. 
Of those 16 have come on the road where Notre Dame has been an astounding 500 or better in two of the last three years, which is really saying something in that conference. Where do you see ND finishing in the ACC, and can they get that long-deserved Final Four trip for Mike Bray, Bonzi Colson, and Matt Farrell? Well, I think right now you throw five to you. We used to be five teams before last week's uh, NCAA stuff going down with Louisville. It was Louisville, Duke, North Carolina, Notre Dame, and Miami. Any one of those five schools could have won the, the ACC regular season. I think now you take Louisville out of the picture because nobody knows what's going to happen with David Pageant being the interim head coach. But those four other schools, Duke, Carolina, Miami, Notre Dame, all four of those have the ability to, to finish in the top three, to win the league, to get a double bye in the league tournament. And it's just something where don't count out Notre Dame. Like Notre Dame has always been there. They've, they've, they've been picked sixth. They've been picked seventh. They've been picked eighth in the ACC and it's something where you look up at the end of the year, they had a chance to tie for the regular season ACC championship going into the final game of the regular season last year. So they'll be right there when it's all said and done. Can they get back to the, the, the final four for the first time in 1978? This is a team that can do it, but that's just so far away right now that I think Mike Bray says, don't talk about the ACC uh, tournament. Don't talk about the NCAA tournament. Don't talk about the final four, even though, Guys in his locker room are talking about that. Let's just let's just try to get better every day and, and take it one game at a time. And say, and then when you look up and you're playing your best basketball in March, like that 2015 team was, maybe this team does get to the Final Four for the first time since '78. We'll see. Yeah, that's great, Tom. We can't thank you enough. Tom Noy from the South Bend Tribune and NDinsider.com. You can follow him, him on Twitter, Tom Noy, T-N-O-I-E-N-D-I, Notre Dame Insider. Tom, this was fantastic, man. Can't thank you enough. We're, we're really excited for Notre Dame this year and for Mike Bray, and, and you know certainly he's going to pass Digger Phelps, and who knows, they could be in a Final Four. I really like him a lot in the ACC. We'll see what happens, my man. Great. Thanks so much, Tom. We appreciate it. You got it. Give me a call anytime. You got it. Thanks. I'm gonna